Welcome to the Miners, uh, where we focus on Habakkuk. This is week 12.4, the fourth week of Habakkuk, of six, uh, where we are sitting down with Eric Morangi. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Good. So if people don't know, your wife is Christy Morangi, so yes, staff here. absolutely. And would you mind giving a little introduction of yourself? I am Eric Morangi. I am Christy's husband. Um, I thought we just established that. <laughs> you did. I... <laughs> Um, I work for the Department of Corrections. I've been doing that for almost 28 years. So, um, yeah. So if I ever get tossed in the Hooskow, at least I'll see a familiar face. No. No, because I'll have to He works from home. This is why. Yeah, I I do. I work from home. I can't believe I do, but about only once a month for a week I go to a prison and do some stuff, and then I come back home for three weeks. That's what I do for at least a year or so more, and then I'm done. Nice. What are you going to do when you're done? Grow this out. Uh, yeah. out. No. Well, if Christy has anything to do with it, this will not be grown out. But uh, <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, as we get going, Aaron, would you do the recap? So today, what we're going to do is hit the entire response of God to Habakkuk's second complaint. And what God is going to do is point out to Habakkuk really what is at the center of every culture. And the center of every culture is our own idolatry. We think that the answers that we come up with as a people are going to be the answers that everyone needs. And when we do that, we focus so much on ourselves and not upon the gospel. And we see this happen today. We think that those people over there are the problem. And if we just got rid of those people, then everything would be okay. And instead what God does is he steers Habakkuk back to the idea that there are two things that we need to focus on that will actually bring resolution to the world. And one of them is that the name of the Lord goes out to all of the earth. And the second thing is the understanding that God is in his temple. And that simply means that God has never been moved. God has never been shaken. He is who he is. And in the midst of our worries and struggles with the world, we come back to the understanding that the glory of God and his name and what he has done in the gospel goes out to the earth and that God is sure and he has never been shaken. And that leads us to be a people who can speak hope in the midst of places where there really is no hope. So it's called justice for all, justice to all. This, yeah. you, you, that's what you call the sermon. So why? Why did I call it that? Yeah. God is the God of justice, and he will bring justice to everything. And as he points this out, he is going to use the evilness of one culture to discipline another, and in the end, he'll use another culture to discipline that culture, and then he'll use another culture to discipline that culture, and it just moves on and on as the tide of God's justice rolls forward. And so justice in the end does come to all. Hmm. And Habakkuk's having this problem because he thinks that... Justice is not coming, is not coming to the people who are coming to bring justice to his people. Right. He's like, why, why? Eric, did you have any takeaways after the message? Yeah, just, I, I just love the idea that, you know, we, we're always looking at, like, well, what about them? What about them? We, you know, we're concerned about the other guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the other guy's always doing something wrong, but, you know, we're we do the same thing in our own ways to someone else, mm. right? And in this case, it was um, the Babylonians or the Chaldeans or whatever that were were uh, going to end up disciplining the Israelites. You know, I think it's interesting because it, it comes down to something that you, every once in a while, mention to me, apparently mention to your wife sometimes, you never want to talk about it, and I don't mean to bring this up to make yeah. your life miserable, but it's the, the whole thing of antinomy, of, you know, because th- you sit in this place and go like, well, if God's sovereign, what does it matter? Or right. if our choices, you know, do this, then 
then can we mess up God's plan? And you, and you kind of struggle with that sometimes in your own mind. Yes, our choices count. And yes, God is sovereign. And everything we do, God's going to weave together. So does it count? Well, yes, it does because our choices matter and we're not puppets. And you kind of struggle with that sometimes. Oh, no, I, I, I absolutely do. I, and I try not to, but I get really caught up on the whole like um, predestination mm-hmm. or free will and in the end, like, I 100% know that God is awesome mm-hmm. and good, but it's like, <laughs> That's oh. how would just say it. Okay, but God's awesome. Yes. I may not get it, but God's yeah. awesome. So every now and then I go, well, you know, um, you know, you need to choose God. Oh, wait, wait a second. No, wait. God chooses you, you know. <laughs> I actually really like when I'm teaching the kids sometimes, I'm, I'm like, you know, I have to be careful the way I say it. Um, but in the end, I always, it always comes back to you. God did everything, yeah. period. He did yeah. everything. Um, and he made us part of this some for some reason. I don't, you know, for some reason he decided to make us part of this. Yeah, why would he choose to use us with as messed up as right. we are? And yet he does. Right. All, right. Of our, all of our sinful decisions, he will and can work out for his glory and our good. Totally. Totally. But that doesn't mean our decisions don't matter and don't count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And I mean, he, he, he gives us the ability, you know, to, to mess up yeah. and um, to actually love him not pretend love him going back to your original question about uh, takeaways from the sermon was it was really neat to see that um you know he he decides to use the chaldeans or babylonians or persians who you know eventually come later later chaldeans babylonians right but um to essentially conquer them right Mm -hmm. but then daniel right Mm -hmm. and all the cool stuff that comes out of that right like like why does god do things we we don't always and know. And in Daniel, you see the changeover from the Babylonians to the Persians in the middle of Daniel. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then I just, one of my favorite verses is like, you know, when he's talking about uh, Nebuchadnezzar and then what Bel- Belshazzar, his, yeah. his son probably or whatever. But he's, you know, he's already been through all this with Nebuchadnezzar. And then he's like, well, your father kind of went through this the hard <laughs> way and eventually learned and was in the dew with the cows and but the cattle. you're not going yeah, to but learn. Yeah, but you're probably not gonna. But he did. And eventually, <laughs> you know, but it's a lot like us, right? So how about you, for you guys, is there, is there a people group that you often will point at and say, oh, if, look at them, God, like, why aren't you fixing them and, as opposed to internal? Yes. Yes. And anything I say is just going to get me in trouble from here on out. <laughs> you know, like, when, when I think about, like, the work thing, right, like, um, it's, I've always considered, like, like, these people over here are bad, very, very bad people, right? I mean, some worse than others. But it's always been a good reminder, too, to just go, no? I mean, we are all broken. Mm -hmm. Some of us might contribute to society in a good way more than others. But as far as God's concerned, like, we're all just broken people. See, I feel like I do a better job of that. When, I, when I'm on stage or a talking element or something like that, I feel like I do a much better job speaking and thinking that way. But if I'm with some friends or alone and I see some news report or something like that, I am much more apt to drop down into the, oh my goodness, if those people were just gone. I, I find myself mm-hmm. falling into the trap that I feel when I'm doing this or speaking from the front, it's the idea that I, I have to have a priest role. For people, so I have to steer people to the gospel. So I do my best to do that mm-hmm. in a way that's stop looking at us and all these things. Look at what God is actually doing, and to steer that way. But if I'm alone, it's much easier to fall into the trap. 
and or just hanging out with some people and it's like did you see this news report oh my what the news report what yeah i mean right now you know the biggest thing we got is afghanistan and five weeks ago what is what does biden say he says mm-hmm. you'll never see helicopters having to rescue people from any place in afghanistan because you know we wouldn't let that happen and mm-hmm. then what happens right. you've got we've got these people that for the last 20 years we have said you can trust us mm-hmm. And now those people can—they can't trust us because right. now we're we're not we're not taking care of them. You have people clamped into the wheel wheels of airplanes yeah. as we're trying to get out of there, and their people are—we literally have video of people falling from these planes so as sad. they're trying to be safe because we have abandoned them. Yeah, it's it's like having an informant give you some information and then, and then saying. Hey, that's the guy that did it. You know yeah. what I mean? That's it's that's scary, man. And the interesting thing about this whole thing, though, is that it seems like for the first time, people on both sides, liberals and conservatives, agree. New York Times, Washington Post, they have news reports both coming out and saying this is a fiasco. So God says the two points in the message mm-hmm. was make the Lord's name known mm-hmm. in all the earth. And God is in his temple. He's not shaken. So how, how can we, as God's people in Santa Maria, try to accomplish those two things? That's a good question. <laughs> you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, there's a couple ways to do that. I think we have to think missionally and biblically, gospel-centeredly. That's not a word, but I'll make it a word. Because in doing so, those things will come to the forefront of our mind. It's fun sometimes to sit there and just rail and complain about all the stuff that's going on, but if we're never steering each other back to the gospel and God being in his holy temple and the name of the Lord needs to be the one that goes forth to fix the problems, well, the problems are never going to get fixed. Yeah, and it, it, like for me too, like many times I'll miss an opportunity that's, that's right there, right? Like, um, you know, you could be that light in these disgusting situations that happen but oftentimes we're just right there in it like oh yeah this is stupid you know it reminds me on uh, a couple Sundays ago we're going through Revelations in Children's and they're talking about the lampstands they said read Revelations 1 or 2 and have the kids draw what they're seeing and it was so cool man it ended up being like I almost scratched it but I ended up doing it and you know we have that big grease board in there and another one so I just gave them a little thing and they're all drawing this stuff and that was one of the things was the lamp stand and, and so I just kind of talked about what it meant and it's like so is there darkness right now you know mm-hmm. it was just cool to, to have them realize that well hey, anyway, we're supposed to be like that mm-hmm. hope you know as the church and mm-hmm. it was just kind of neat to see them draw the different things and be able to explain like how that applies right now you know it's, it's interesting you said this is one of the few times left and right are agreeing about something going back to the, what's mm-hmm. happening in in the middle not, east not not all of them are agreeing but no. there's a, there's a good portion that are well and, and i think this is a good opportunity for christians to step in and, and to acknowledge where we agree mm-hmm. and whether whatever side you're on and then and then not just say point fingers but point to christ like Mm -hmm. and i think if we did that more if we try to find what we agreed with whoever the other side is the babylonians of our life and get to a point where we agree i wonder how much more we can speak truth Mm -hmm. into because we're not just attacking what we disagree with yeah but we're agreeing and then we're trying to move the ball forward and it's not 
your side's wrong, but it's look at Christ. Look at who God is. If we're not getting people to understand the gospel, all of our ideas and all the causes we run behind are ultimately going to just push people further apart. Because in thinking this way, it's like, well, all those people who think the other way are bad, and they're the terrible ones, rather than we're all messed up, and we're all the terrible ones, and that Jesus rescues us. And if we cannot see the, the evil that runs down the center of every human heart, we're not going to understand that we all need the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what kind of pulls me out of so many of these books that are written like this. It's like, well, here's the thing. And, this, and, and I'm not saying what they're saying is wrong. What I'm saying is if that just becomes our issue and our cause, we are missing the gospel. And we're going to push people further and further apart. Well, I, I, mean, I think that that's, that's all the miners, right? The, yeah. All the prophets. It's, it's, it, the answer is not within us. It is, or our societies are, or it, it, but it is against. You are prideful. Yeah. You are arrogant. Again, it comes back to the gospel. Is our focus the gospel or is the focus our irritation? Yeah. And if the focus is the gospel, that, if the focus of the gospel, we become humble, we become thankful, we become missional minded, we become service oriented, not because of those things, but because the gospel naturally breeds that in us. And so our focus must always be the gospel. So this week, uh, we hope that you be less prideful. And the only way to do that is to focus on the work and person of Jesus Christ, to find ways to engage others missionally minded, uh, to to remind them or tell them that Jesus is Lord uh, and that he is overall and that he is in his temple. He's not shaken. Nothing is outside of his control. Nothing surprises him. Um, and, and one of the ways we show that is by the hope that we have in the midst of everything looking like it's melting down, that we can have hope because God is secure. Hmm. Yeah. So I didn't mean to steal your thing. No, but if you have, so if you, so how do people get that hope? So how do people get that hope? What's, Mm-hmm. What's I mean? What is it that that brings that trust. internal trust? You, your tr- faith, which means trust, trusting who God says He is. And we think God's in His holy temple, and that too often people hear that and they think, "Oh, God's in heaven; He's up here; He's not about you." But the it was it's a metaphorical idea that God is not shaken. God is not moved from His seat. God is not moved from His power. He has always been, and nothing we do could ever shake that. Mm-hmm. And that is make supposed to make us feel secure in who God is. So spend time focusing on God, who He is, and if you don't know genuinely. Uh, there are tools to help. You can come talk to us. Uh, we can help show you what God says about himself, how he's revealed him about himself. Um, and so hopefully you can begin to learn to put your faith, your trust in him, in who he says he is. Uh, and that changes everything, period. End of sentence. Uh, we'll see you next week. So this is nice. So this is the work from home. This is the I only have to shave once a month. So nice. You're gonna look like a prophet. I, I do. It's still pretty weak, but you know, maybe when I'm like 50 or 55, I'll be able to fill in this part.